Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education. Hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us each week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or subscribe to our podcast to hear the replay every week. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Welcome to another Travel Therapy Mentor live video. Tonight we're going to be talking about travel therapy pay and how that has changed over the past couple months with the coronavirus, uh, the pandemic and everything, how that's affected the travel therapy job market and how that's in turn affected pay. Um, first, we're gonna get a rundown basically on how travel, th- how travel therapy pay works in general and what normal pay used to be and then now what, how that compares to the current situation. Um, so Whitney's gonna introduce us. I'm gonna get this video shared in a few different groups and then uh, we will jump right in. All right, everybody. So like Jared said, he's going to share our video live in a couple other Facebook groups so more people can join on with us. Um, Right now, I'll go ahead and give you guys some introductions, and we also have an announcement to make um, for those that are listening live and listening later. So my name is Whitney Aiken. And I'm Jared Kazaza. And we are both traveling physical therapists. Many of you may have tuned in live with us before on our weekly Facebook Live videos. You may have followed our content on our website, TravelTherapyMentor.com, and our blog, FifthWheelPT.com. Uh, We've been doing these videos for over a year, probably a good year and a half now. Uh, We bring you guys different content every week um, about various travel therapy topics. And um, the announcement that we wanted to make is that we're actually going to start uploading some of our Facebook Live videos to different platforms. We had had some people reach out to us and ask us why we weren't on YouTube and why we didn't um, maybe do a podcast. So we decided that we're going to take some of the content that we already have from Facebook Live and upload that to other platforms just in case other people want to listen to us on different platforms. Um, I know podcasts are a big thing because people can multitask and they can listen to our information while they're doing other things. Um, you know, some people prefer YouTube videos. I know you can speed up the, the playback on YouTube as well as podcasts, which is a little bit different than um, on Facebook Live. So we'll still continue to use um, Facebook Live as our primary platform and continue to do uh, these videos pretty much every Sunday. But just in case you're wondering, you can also find us from, uh, going forward on YouTube and um, we'll be working on a podcast platform as well. Caesar said he can't hear us. Uh, let us know if you guys can hear us. Uh, I don't know any reason why it wouldn't be working, but let us know. Yeah, so for those of you guys that are tuning in live with us tonight, um, please let us know if you can hear us and make sure everything is good on the playback on your end. Um, we'd also love if you would say hi in the comments if you are watching live. If you're watching on the replay um, later, let us know. And we will uh, read your comments, and we also appreciate any kind of thumbs up that you can give us. Um, But let us know if you can hear us, because it's looking like maybe a couple people are saying they can't. So we definitely need to rectify that if you guys can't hear us. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't be able to. Yep. Hey Haley, hey Nicole, hey Lauren, hey Tiffany, hey Caesar. Thank you guys for tuning in with us live. Hey Melissa, hey Jenna, we appreciate you guys. Um, okay. Armand yeah. says that he can hear us and Hel says um, that they can hear us. And awesome. Cassie says that she can hear us. So um, must be, it might be something going on on Caesar's end. Hi Deb, thank you for joining us. Hi Amy, thank you. Um, so Caesar, it might be something on your end because it sounds like everybody else can hear us. Um, Hopefully you guys can all hear us okay. 
Um, hey Melissa, hey Andrea, thank you guys so much for your feedback, we appreciate it. So yeah, just like I was saying, um, we'll continue to use Facebook Live as our primary platform to bring you guys our content every week, but if you are interested in finding us on YouTube or a different platform, that will be available coming soon. Um, and as always, we'll continue to try to put out some content and information on our website every week, um, TravelTherapyMentor.com. So while Jared is getting um, a few more people to join in with us live from other groups, um, if you guys are watching, we'd love if you'd say hello. If you're watching live, leave us a comment. Let us know, are you a current traveler? Are you someone who's thinking about doing travel therapy? Um, this topic you know, that we're gonna talk about tonight is very, very important if you're new to travel therapy. If you are just getting started or you're a student or someone who's thinking, you know, kind of a dreamer, or somebody who's thinking about getting into travel therapy, it's extremely important that you understand the basics of how pay works. And we have talked about this in past videos, past articles, but we're just gonna kind of rehash that topic tonight for those of you guys that it's new to. And it might be a good refresher for some of you guys that, that have heard it before. And then we're just gonna kind of tie in the generality of how the pay works to what's been happening in our current environment and our current job market because it has changed a little bit. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Deb. Uh, Deb is a former patient of mine and left me a sweet comment about her shoulder. Thank you, Deb, I'm so glad you're doing well. Um, hi, Nikki, thank you for joining us live. We appreciate you guys. So we'll dive All into right. tonight's topic. So travel therapy pay in general, um, we're going to talk about stipends and hourly pay. So travel therapy pay is broken down into two separate categories, essentially. Um, that is an hourly amount that you get per hour worked and stipends that can be based on a weekly amount or sometimes also based on hourly amounts. Yeah. Um, the difference between hourly pay, taxable pay, and stipends is that the stipends are tax-free and this is essentially reimbursements for things like housing, meals, and incidentals. Um, so basically to get the travel therapy pay, you take the stipend amount plus the weekly pay amount after taxes, and that's what we refer to as weekly take-home pay, which is how almost all travelers and uh, travel therapy recruiters talk about travel pay. Yeah, so if you guys are totally new to this topic, um, I mean, it's really important to state the fact that travel therapy pay is completely different than that of a permanent position. You know, when you go to look at a permanent job in, in therapy or any other type of job, they're either gonna give you an hourly amount, um, you know, you might get paid this amount an hour, or you might get paid this amount a year, a salaried amount. Yeah, and the reason travel therapy pay can't be broken down into like a salary amount, a lot of people wanna know like what's a, a travel therapy salary, is because contract work by definition is only short term. So there's very few people that are taking a travel assignment for a year. Um, so because of that, you can't really have a salary amount. You have a weekly amount, usually for 13 weeks at a time, and then you go to a new assignment where the pay will be different. Yeah, so it's really important to kind of understand the way it's broken down so that when you're starting to get into travel therapy, you can understand different quotes that you're going to receive for pay. And like Jared said, they usually quote you in a weekly amount because a contract might be 13 weeks, but it also could be shorter or longer. So they don't really quote you like you're going to make this amount in the whole contract. They just say you're going to make this amount a week. Now, when Jared says weekly take-home pay, typically most recruiters are going to quote you on an after-tax pay amount. Some of them will quote you on a gross pay, a pre-tax amount. Um, so we're gonna go into a little bit of detail on kind of how you would break out those numbers, but if this is the very first time you're ever hearing this content, we would highly recommend you visit our website and read some of the articles that we've written about pay at TravelTherapyMentor.com, because I think it's really important when you're new to all of this to see it broken down in writing and kind of run some of the calculations yourself to understand it better. Yeah, it can be difficult to explain in words. Um, 
But yeah, so the only way that, well, really the, the primary reason, a very a big reason that people choose travel therapy in the first place is to make more money. And the big reason why you make more money as a travel therapist is because of those stipends. Now, the stipends have some stipulations. Um, in order to be eligible for stipends, that tax-free money I was talking about, you have to be duplicating expenses. You have to meet certain IRS guidelines, and the biggest one there is duplicating expenses. So to get that money tax-free, you have to have a reason for traveling for work, essentially. And so that means that you need to be have like a home address where you're paying expenses as well as a travel address where you're working and paying expenses there as well. Yeah, and this is an IRS rule, guys. This isn't a travel therapy rule. It has nothing to do with the travel therapy company. It has nothing to do with the facility or the hospital that you're working at. Um, it just has to do with the IRS guidelines for um, any type of worker to receive what are called stipends or per diems. Yeah, this applies for everything. It applies for things like uh, pilots, construction workers that go out of town, electricians that go out of town. Um, even government, this is all all a a large rule set by the IRS, mm -hmm. and the big thing there is duplicating expenses. Yep. So again, if this is your very first time learning this, hearing this, um, finding out about travel therapy pay, it's important that you read some of the articles and information that we have regarding tax homes and how you qualify for these tax-free stipends. But it is important that you do that research because if you just dive straight in as a, as a um, future travel therapist and only start talking to recruiters and they say, you can make this much, they don't necessarily ask you if you meet the guidelines or are following the guidelines to earn that much. You need to make sure on the back end that you're doing that for yourself. Um, but with that said, um, we're going to talk about the general traveler. There are some travelers that choose to take all of their pay taxed. Um, if they don't meet the requirements for maintaining a tax home, they might just get a blanket amount, um, which would be like an hourly amount. They might pay you, I don't know, $60 an hour or whatever it might be. If you were that type of traveler who took local jobs and didn't maintain duplicate housing, but for the vast majority of us, we're going to use the, the pay breakdown where they pay part of your pay taxed and part of your pay untaxed. Yeah, the majority of people that would be in that situation, which is a very small percentage, probably 5 or 10%, is are, there's people that don't have a tax home, so they can't get the pay tax, um, the stipends tax-free. And people that are taking local contracts, which in that situation, you wouldn't have a tax home. You would just be living from home and commuting to the assignment, and then all of your pay would be taxed in that situation. Yeah, so we'll just assume that um, for the most part, you're going to be a typical travel therapist who is going to maintain a tax home, and then you're going to be allowed by the IRS to be paid by the travel therapy company. So the travel therapy company, they'll break it down and they'll say... This might be how much you'd make a week before taxes, and then if you tell them and they're comfortable working with you saying, okay, this is how I file um, my tax filing status. Um, for example, you might say, like, I, I file as a single individual um, with zero dependents. Then they might be able to calculate for you or show you how to calculate, okay, after tax each week, you could probably expect to make this much. And then when they further break it down to you, typically when you're going to be offered a travel therapy pay package, they're going to send you a breakdown. So they'll say, okay, you're going to make this much an hour, somewhere it could be anywhere between $15 to $25 to $30 an hour, for example. And then plus that, you're going to make this amount either a week or an hour um, tax-free. Tax and that's your stipend, your housing and meals and incidental stipend. So a lot of times they'll show it to you in that breakdown. This is your hourly, this is your stipend. And then if you subtract the taxes out of your hourly, multiply it by the number of hours worked, and then mesh it all together, that's when you get what we call weekly take-home pay. Yeah, so like I said, almost every traveler that you see talk about pay and almost every recruiter that talks about pay is going to be talking about it in weekly take-home pay terms. So with that in mind, um, 
we want to talk about what a normal travel therapy pay would look like. So this was um, prior to a couple months ago when everything kind of changed. Um, we always recommended that basically people didn't take travel contracts, and this is specifically talking to, to PTs, OTs, SLPs, uh, evaluating therapists, didn't take contracts for less than about $1,500 per week. That was kind of the minimum after, after taxes. Um, and that is a, there's, a, there's a wide range. It can go from, we've seen people accept pay all the way down in the 1200s, all the way up to 2400 per week. There's a huge range there. Um, but in general, most jobs are gonna be somewhere between 1500 after taxes and 1800 per after taxes. And some very big variables there are what setting the job is, um, what state the job's in, um, if it's a city or if it's a rural area, and also what travel company you go through. So bigger companies usually, um, in general, pay less, and smaller companies can usually pay more, and that has a lot to do with their overhead. Yeah, so there's a lot of factors, like Jared's talking about, that go into your pay. So it's really difficult. We've written an extensive number of articles and done a lot of videos in the past kind of explaining why it's really tricky to try to compare your pay with that of another traveler. So you can't always talk to your buddy who's traveling in a different state, in a different setting, with a different company, and you, you might be making completely different amounts, which makes sense, right? Like your friend that lives in California and you that lives in West Virginia, you wouldn't make the same at a perm job, would you? Probably not. So it's probably not gonna be the same for a travel job either. Now in some cases we have heard of travelers that are even working in the same facility but with a different company making different amounts. That's also possible. Yeah, and so one of those reasons is the size of the company or the company itself and the recruiter sometimes can have um, some effect on your pay. And then in addition to that, also reimbursement amounts. So say you're working in the same facility as another traveler, they're making a little bit more, but you got more reimbursements up front for things like license, um, travel to and from the location, uh, CEUs, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So that's something we didn't mention before is you kind of get a base pay. You're always going to get an hourly and a, and a um, stipend. Some recruiters and some companies will also offer you additional reimbursements for things like your travel to and from the facility. So say that you live in um, California and you have to fly to Hawaii for a job or you know you live in Florida and you drive to Washington State for a job. Some companies and recruiters will choose along with you, they might ask you your preference if you want to get reimbursed up front for some of those costs on your first paycheck or sometimes at the end of the contract they'll give you a lump sum reimbursement. Sometimes they'll also reimburse you for things like your scrubs, some clothing that you needed to buy, um, or your license for that state. However, some recruiters will only just kind of lump it all into your hourly and your stipend because at the end of the day, some people would just feel like, well, money's money. I don't care how you give it to me as long as I get it over the course of my contract. Um, so there's a lot of nuance that goes into kind of how your pay is broken down. Yeah. And a big factor here too, like we mentioned, is location. So a... In general, pay a lot of times is tied with cost of living um, to a degree. And so that's a big reason why a lot of jobs in California where cost of living is much higher, the Bay Area, Southern California, can pay really well. It's because their cost of living there is higher. And, and a lot of times their reimbursement is better for things like Medicare and private insurers. So they're able to pay travelers more. Uh, whether or not that's actually to your benefit depends on how expensive the housing is there for you, though, and, and what your goals are as a traveler. Um, that we've seen situations where we ha take jobs on the East Coast making $1,600 a week after taxes, but we can find housing for $400 a month, whereas someone um, works in Southern California or the Bay Area and makes $2,000 a week, 
but their housing is 2000 a month. So in reality, they're not coming out ahead, especially when you consider things like food and everything else being more expensive there. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into pay, um, and you can't just go by exact pay numbers. You have to consider a bunch of other factors. Yeah, so kind of like Jerry was talking about, this just comes down to basic personal finance principles. Um, you know, of course, we would all like to make the most money possible, of course, but if you look at a job in, um, say, San Francisco, and they say you could make $2,000 a week after taxes, but you know for a fact you're going to have to spend an exorbitant amount on your rent, and then they offer you a job in Arkansas for making only $1,600 a week, well, you know for a fact that you can get um, rent really cheap there. You know, the amount that you're going to net at the end of the day might be the same. So you just have to think about a lot of different factors. You don't always just want to look at the weekly take-home amount. You need to look at the whole financial situation for you and how it's going to affect your bottom line. So with that said, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, where does the money come from? Because I think a lot of times there's a, a lot of um, therapists who think, well, they should pay me what I deserve. Um, you know, I got this degree. I did all this work. I, I need to be paid as much money as they can possibly pay me. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of people that are going to be really hard negotiators or want to negotiate for more. And then they kind of push back and they say, I want more money than that. And then the recruiter might push back and say, well, there isn't any more money than that for me to give you. And they don't understand why. So yeah. we need to talk about where the money comes from. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions around surrounding pay and how much recruiters keep, how much they get paid per traveler, that kind of thing. Um, in general, all pay comes from the facility though. So the facility will pay the travel company a specified amount per hour in almost all cases. And usually that amount is somewhere between 50 to $80 an hour. It can be a wide range. And again, that depends on the same factors we talked about there, setting, location, um, whether discipline. it's- Yeah, discipline. All of those things factor in. Uh, in general, on the East Coast, we've seen a lot of bill rates in the 60 to 65 to maybe $70 an hour range, whereas on the West Coast, it can be 70 to $80 an hour. And a lot of times that coincides with cost of living. Um, so that money comes from the facility and goes That's called to the bill rate. The bill rate that comes from the facility goes to the travel company. The travel company takes out a percentage for their overhead, for paying the recruiter, um, for their insurance, all of these different things. Um, they have to keep a, a percentage in case travelers get canceled and they have to uh, pay out an amount to the facility. So they keep all of this, and that's a percentage of the bill rate that they keep. And then the rest of it is given to the traveler, and that's split into reimbursements, the stipends, and the hourly taxable rate. And in some cases, you might, like I said earlier, you might have a say. If you get to be pretty savvy with this stuff, you have a good relationship with your recruiter, hopefully they're pretty transparent with you about this. Now, sometimes when you're first starting, you just don't understand how it all works. And whether or not you have a recruiter who's really open and forthcoming with all that information, you might not even be having these conversations. It might just be the recruiter says, this is how much they're paying, and you just say, okay. But if you, if you kind of dive into some of the articles that we've written, some of the videos we've done, where we explain to you guys how it all works, then as you move forward in your contracts, you can have the knowledge and the power to discuss this with your recruiter and say, okay, well, can you explain to me um, you know, what, what amount of money are you getting from the facility? They don't always share that. Sometimes they do. And, um, you know, how much, is there any money left over 
for you to pay me an extra reimbursement or could we increase my hourly a little bit and just sort of have a candid conversation. Um, we're going to get into talking about negotiating and whether you should or shouldn't do that and how much you should, but I'm just letting you know that these are some conversations that if you have a good relationship with your recruiter, they can help explain kind of how it works. And a lot of times they'll just say, look, based on the amount that the facility is offering, this is all that we can pay you for this. Um, sometimes, like I said, some of you guys may prefer to have reimbursements up front. For example, if you're worried about um, maybe your contract getting canceled, Sometimes it might be better to get a reimbursement on your first paycheck, um, a lump sum of whatever it might be, $300, $400, $500, for your travel and your license and that sort of thing, rather than have that dispersed over the course of 13 weeks. Because what happens if you get canceled early at week six? Well, then you never got to cash in on all that reimbursement because it was dispersed over 13 weeks. But if they can pay you some of it up front, that's usually a good thing. Yeah, upfront money gives you more security. But you have to remember that any reimbursement you, you get come out of the stipends and the taxable pay, which means that your uh, weekly take-home pay is going to be less. Yeah, so an those. important thing to remember there is there's no free money. So it's usually not that they're going to say, okay, you could make 1600 a week after taxes plus this $500 reimbursement. It's usually going to be you can make 1600 a week after taxes, period, or I could pay you 1575 a week and then pull out a reimbursement out of that up front and pay it to you. Yep. So it helps if you kind of understand the way that works, especially when you're comparing pay packages because some recruiters will do it differently. Um, we definitely have some recruiters that kind of always offer reimbursements and some that just would rather give it to you straight and say, this is the amount you can make. If you want to pull reimbursements out of that, I'm going to have to reduce your weekly pay. And that's pretty normal um, if you hear that. They're not Yeah, they're not just Sometimes it's not just the recruiter. It can also be the travel company. Some companies have different departments or different, um, uh, yeah, well, I guess department or like a different area where the money comes from. So they'll split it initially, the bill rate, into these different areas, and then those departments pay for things like license reimbursement or um, travel to and from and those kind of things. So in that scenario, the, the recruiter might negotiate with you a weekly take-home pay rate, and then reimbursements might be separate. Yeah. But other companies don't do it that way at all. They just have all the money up front and they say, how do you want me to break this down? And, and that's how it is. That's something really interesting we learned once we started talking in more detail with certain companies. Um, we work with one company that keeps a budget specifically for licenses and they don't pull it out of each individual contract per se. They kind of lump that in, I guess, in their overhead more or less. So they take a little bit out of everybody's contract in their overhead to allow a budget, a separate budget, a separate department for licensing. So if the bill rate happened to be $70 an hour for that contract, um, they're gonna take off their regular overhead and then they'll have 70 an hour or whatever's left over to work with to pay you for that contract regardless of whether you need a license or not. However, some, um, some recruiting companies we found out will only do it on a case-by-case -case basis. So if you need a license reimbursement on that contract, it has to come out of that bill rate for that contract because they, as a company, don't take it out in their overhead. So it's kind of confusing. Sometimes you don't always know to ask these things, but I think the bottom line here is that you have to have a recruiter that you trust to be telling you the truth. And the best way that we've always recommended for you guys to be able to have trustworthy recruiters is to get recommendations from someone else who has had a good experience with them over the years. 
because otherwise you don't know there's a lot of skepticism where people are like well is the recruiter just trying to keep more money from me are they really paying me the most they possibly could be paying me yeah and there's certainly situations where the recruiters or a company does keep higher margins and pays the traveler less uh traveler less so some of those horror stories where you hear about recruiters keeping a lot of money, that, that does happen. So you do need to go with someone that's reputable. And we've spent a lot of time over the last few years trying to find companies and recruiters that we think are reputable, interviewing them and uh, having good people to send, send others to. Yeah. So we definitely want to um, kind of go into talking about, you know, whether you should negotiate for pay or not, what are some norms, and then talk about what we've been seeing lately um, with the pay norms. But real quick, if you are watching this video, whether you're watching it live, whether you're listening later on the replay on the Facebook platform or a different platform, we'd love if you would leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up, um, like the video or the audio somehow on your platform. We'd really appreciate um, your support. And again, if you guys have any questions, if you are watching this live or on the replay and you want to leave us a comment, ask us a question, we will answer questions at the end. Um, and if you get done watching the video and you'd like to send us an email or ask us for recommendations on recruiters, you can do that as well. All right. So Jared kind of mentioned earlier um, a normal weekly take-home pay, um, and that that might be anywhere between fifteen hundred a week after taxes up to two thousand a week. And this is talking about PT, OT, or SLP. Um, we have seen some pay crazy high, like two thousand, twenty-two hundred, twenty-four hundred. For PTOG SLP, obviously for assistance, that number is going to be lower. I think a pretty normal average pay for a PTA or CODA would be somewhere 1100 to 1300 a week after taxes. Yeah. Um, again, it varies based on how you file your taxes. Sometimes they'll give you a gross pay number and then they'll ask you to calculate it or they'll explain to you how to calculate it out after taxes because your tax filing uh, status might be different than that of a, travel, a different traveler. Yeah. One thing I want to mention here is that you might see some some travelers um, mention that, oh, I only take jobs making $2,000 a week or more, um, and no one else should take pay less than that. The, there's, there's a few reasons why someone might say that. One, they're just trying to get attention. So sometimes people will say that stuff. Uh, sometimes they will lie about how much they've made just to get other people uh, for attention, for, them, for other people to reach out to them and ask them, oh, how do you do that? Let me know what company you work with, that kind of thing. So they're trying to create attention to get referrals. So that happens. Uh, another reason is maybe they're taking very specific contracts. So if you only want to take uh, our home health contracts in California, yeah, you can make 2000 every time, but there are not that many travelers that want to do that. Um, a lot of people want to move around. They want to do different settings. They want to have different experiences. And in that situation, you're not always going to get top dollar. So that really makes a, a big impact. Yeah. And as we talked about before, there's just so many factors that go into pay that it's really challenging for you to compare um, apples to apples with another traveler. It's really apples to oranges because their facility might be different, their setting, their location, the, the bill rate from that particular contract might be completely different. And that's behind the scenes stuff that you don't know, they don't know. Um, so if they're just touting that they were able to get 2000 a week and you're wondering why you're not, um, I mean, it's a valid question. It's a valid concern. It's something to definitely bring to your recruiter and ask if you are concerned or come to us and tell us your pay breakdown and we can help you kind of mentor you on that. But it's just, it gets a little tricky and a little hairy and we don't recommend trying to compare pay to other travelers unless you're taking into account all the factors. Um, like we said, the company, sometimes the overhead can make a difference. And if that's the case, you know, certain times you might want to switch companies, but pay isn't 
always the only thing to make you consider whether a company or a recruiter is right for you. Yeah, and so just keep in mind there that the average is usually in normal times gonna be somewhere between 1,500 to 1,800 a week. Almost all, uh, the majority of contracts are gonna fall in that range. There are definitely outliers on the high end um, and some that pay less than that. But during normal times, that is definitely the majority of contracts all over the country. Yeah. Now, um, we'll kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on now and some of our um, suggestions basically for the current job market. So in case anybody has been um, in a coma or sleeping, um, we do have a global pandemic going on right now and it has affected our entire world, the whole United States, many other countries. Um, it's affected the job market, the huge unemployment numbers across our nation, not just in therapy, but in every uh, field, every um, job. So therapy has definitely been affected, which means that travel therapy has definitely been affected. Um, some places are having trouble even giving enough hours and continuing to staff their permanent therapists. So a lot of places are not hiring travel travelers right now. So what this has done is it's really affected the supply and demand. We've got a huge supply of therapists without jobs that are looking for jobs and a low demand for those therapists. There's yeah. no jobs open. Yeah, and so that supply of therapists includes current travelers that just finished a contract. It includes new therapists that are just graduating. A ton of our audience is new grads because we both started as new grads. So a lot of people reach out to us for advice. So you have people graduating right now looking for jobs. You have current travelers that are earning contracts looking for jobs, and you also have permanent therapists that lost their job and can't find anything else in their area that are also looking for jobs. So this is like a massive number of therapists looking at a small number of jobs right yeah. now. And as of the time of this recording, I think it's May the 17th, um, you know, we've been in this for a good two months now. We are all very hopeful that it's going to pick up in the coming months as states start to open back up, as the factors that affect us directly, like um, elective surgeries being allowed to happen again, start to pick back up. We really, really hope and we anticipate that it's likely in the coming months things will improve. But as of May, it has been really bad for about two months. Um, a very low number of jobs, a very high number of um, therapists having to apply for unemployment. Yes. So we kind of want to talk about how this supply and demand has affected our pay. As you might guess, uh, if you have a ton of therapists looking at a limited number of jobs, the pay is going to be impacted. And the reason that for that is, if you have a job, say in, in normal conditions, you might have a job open up, let's say in Idaho, and they only have two applicants submitted for that job, and they're choosing between those two. They know that if they decrease the pay very much lower than what it is when they got those two applicants, they might not get any applicants. Maybe no one applies for that job. In a situation like now though, let's say a job opens in Idaho, they're probably getting 30 or 40 submissions to that job instantly, right away. So when you get that many submissions, it makes kind of it kind of makes things difficult for you because you have to go through more applications, you have to uh, have more decisions to make there. And and so in that case, you can lower the pay rate and know that you're still going to get some applicants. So let's say the job would normally pay 1500 a week during normal times. But now they know when they list this job, they're going to get a ton of applicants. They can lower that down to 1400 or 1450 and know they're still going to get a lot of submissions because there are a lot of desperate people that need to find contracts. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, we can all be um, really righteous and say like, well, we shouldn't take those jobs and how dare they take advantage of us in a bad situation. And it's unfortunate, but you have to just know that it's gonna happen like that in a free market, regardless of what it is. If the supply and demand of 
toilet paper and you know milk and whatever changes then it's gonna happen of course there are laws against price gouging when it comes to products like that but it's just gonna happen with jobs a little bit and you have to know kind of as we discussed where the pay is coming from so it's not your recruiter it's not the travel therapy company taking advantage of travelers and paying them lower it's coming from the top it's coming from the hospital system from the nursing home um, school nursing facility system from the home health company from the outpatient company um, and who knows, maybe they have other factors too. Maybe they're not just responding to supply and demand. Maybe they're trying to make budget cuts to save themselves in some way. Say they're a private company and they somehow need to save their, their own selves during this pandemic. And they're like, this is all we can really pay because we don't have the money right now to pay either. So all we're saying is the fact is the rates are going down. In some cases, they're staying about steady. But what I will say is it's making it a lot harder to negotiate, to have any leg to stand on when it comes to negotiation. Yeah, uh, and in normal times, you might be able to negotiate for a higher rate. Maybe the, the recruiter, so say there's only two applicants and you're one of those two and your resume is much better than the other one. Maybe the recruiter can negotiate a higher rate with the facility and then pay you more. Mm -hmm. That happens, um, and that's how sometimes you can get much higher pay than normal. But in a situation like this, where there might be 30 applicants or 20 or whatever the number is, they'll just go with somebody else. There's gonna be someone else's resume that is similar um, and they'll just be like, oh, well, if you wanna make more, then we'll just pick someone else. So it is very difficult to negotiate for higher rates at a time like this. Yeah, unfortunately in this job market is no time for negotiation on any front, pay, any other factors, because unfortunately they're gonna have so many applicants and so many of those applicants are either going to be just ready to go at the current rate um, already licensed, can start yesterday, already have all their ducks in a row. So in a market where there's not very many applicants and there's a plethora of jobs, then you have just different negotiating power there. One, you could ask for more money. Two, you could try to apply for jobs where you don't even have a license yet and maybe get approved for it because maybe they're like, well, nobody wants to come to my middle of the nowhere facility. So if you need three weeks to get your license, okay, maybe we'll take you. But right now in this job market, it's like if the person is standing at the door ready to go, they're probably going to choose that applicant and that really has to do with our pay. Yeah, and, and a good example of this is when we started traveling. So it's been almost exactly five years ago now we were job searching for our very first assignment as new grads. I interviewed for a job um, that I had no experience in and I turned down the job. And instead of them uh, just saying, okay, we'll pick someone else, they... The, the facility manager called back to ask me please to take the job and that they would pay me more. So that kind of job environment is so different than this job environment where there's a lot of applications. And the, and the reason they did that is not because I was a wonderful therapist or interviewed really great. My interview was probably really bad because I said, I don't have any experience in this. I, I don't think I'm prepared for it. Um, so I was not a good interviewer. It was just that they were desperate to get someone in there and they didn't have a lot of submissions or applications for that. So they were begging me to take the job and willing to pay me more for it. Um, but that would not happen right now. Yeah. So it's just, it, I think it's important right now for all of us as therapists to kind of understand the current environment. And when you are looking for a job, go into it understanding that. Go into it understanding that your recruiter is probably not lying to you. They're probably not trying to lowball you. It just is the way it is right now. And um, I just saw Kaylee, who is a recruiter, um, comment on our video. And she said, it's not going to be this way forever. And it isn't. You know, we're going through a rough time. Our whole country is going through a rough time and hopefully it won't be like this forever. But for right now, there's a lot of situations where if you need work, you need to be willing to take the jobs as they're offered because unfortunately the way it is is if you try to negotiate, try to push for this and push for that, 
more than likely the facility is going to pass you over for a different applicant who's more willing to just go into the job, no questions asked, um, go into the job at the posted rate. And the other thing I want to talk about is in some situations, um, we know a lot of different recruiters that use different strategies. Usually what will happen is when the job is posted, the facility might post a set rate, like this is the rate that we'll pay. Well, sometimes if the recruiter really wants to try to help you out to get you into that job and they know that maybe you don't have the strongest application or maybe it's just about average on par with everybody else's, they might even try to submit you at a lower rate, especially for example, say you're a new grad yeah. and, they, and they know you're competing for this job against other applicants who have experience. Well, maybe they think, well, we could get a leg up if you are willing to take the job at a little, little bit lower rate. Well, then maybe the hospital's like, well, we could get this applicant who we don't have to pay quite as much. You know, they don't have as much experience, but when it comes to budgeting and stuff, that's important. Um, so that is a strategy sometimes. So we have heard some new grads, um, you know, we're going to talk about numbers here, but we have heard some new grads saying, well, my recruiter told me that I might only expect to make $13.50 to $14.50. Is that true? It doesn't have to be true. It's not always true, but sometimes a strategy they might be using is that they're trying to submit you for a job at a lower rate so they can kind of undercut the opponents and get you in there. Yep. And yeah, that, that mostly applies to new grads. And that is kind of the environment we're in right now where it might be worth it if you're a new grad and you are you have your heart set on traveling, uh, you don't have any other prospects, you really want to do it, um, you might be in a situation where your recruiter will offer the facility a lower amount for you to be able to take that job, just so you can get the foot in the, your foot in the door, get some experience, that kind of thing. And in that situation, you might make less than, uh, than we were talking about in normal times. Yeah. So we definitely have seen some lower rates floating around. Um, sadly, we have seen some physical therapy rates in the 1300s a week after taxes. Um, I think I even saw a couple that were in the 1200s, which is, is rough. And, and so that happens with um, some companies that pay really low or um, those kind of situations in normal times. But we almost always tell people not to take those jobs unless they're just like amazing jobs. Um, but in this situation, these are actually reputable companies, good facilities that are offering very low pay. And, and that's all because of the supply and demand right now. Yeah. So we, you know, where we normally see jobs that you can get a plethora of options of jobs between the 1500 to 1800 range. We've definitely seen a handful of jobs down in the 1200, 1300, 1400 range. We've seen some jobs that would probably normally pay 1800 plus paying more like 15, 16, 17. So there are some people that have only ever practiced on the West Coast. And throughout the years, we've seen a lot of these West Coasters that just couldn't fathom making less than 1800 a week as a traveler because they're just used to those West Coast rates. But because we're East Coasters, and we're used to the East Coast rates. We were like, well, it's pretty normal to see some jobs in the $1,500 to $1,800 range. A lot of jobs, really. Um, but now they would probably be balking at seeing a job in California for $1,500. So even though it meets our $1,500 rule, it's not the same as what it would have been six months ago. Yeah, and that, that comes down to cost of living and what the averages there have been and uh, being much lower than normal. Yeah. So that's kind of what we've been seeing. And again, I don't think it'll be forever. We think it will start to pick back up. Um, I think it already is starting to pick back up. Some states are reopening, elective surgeries are being started again, which is gonna create some demand. And I think jobs are starting to trend upwards. Obviously it is nothing like it was three months ago or last year at this time, things were completely different. Um, but it is starting to trend upwards and we think that will continue as 
as lockdowns end and elective surgeries pick back up. Yeah. So with that said, I mean, our, our conventional wisdom over the past five plus years that we've been in this, um, you know, this job market, this job environment is we would usually tell you that if you're a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, or a speech language pathologist, as a rule of thumb, we generally say don't take a job that's going to pay you $1,500 a week after taxes um, or below. We would always tell you to try to take a job that's going to be $1,500 a week plus. Take a look at the area. If, if you're in California, if it's a high cost of living, um, you should probably be making $1,700, $1,800 plus. But unfortunately, at this moment, all of that is kind of out the window, and we would encourage you highly right now to not think so much about the pay and not worry so much about the negotiations. Um, you know, it's really, if you have to weigh your options and see what's the most important thing to you right now. And for a lot of people, the most important thing to them is just to be working, period, to not be unemployed. So if it's a job that sounds okay to you, if it works for your situation, if you're licensed there, if you can get in there, don't worry over the, the pay. I mean, if it's, if it's 1400 if it's 1500 in a high cost of living area, if it sounds good to you, if it could keep you working, it's better than making zero. Um, we would encourage you to just try to take what you can get at this moment and then hope by your next contract when it rolls around, the pay will start to trend towards normal again. Yeah, you, you can definitely be much less picky at this point with things like setting, location, and pay. So um, if you really need work and you're desperate right now, then you're probably going to be taking jobs paying less and that's okay in times like this. Yeah, like I said, it's better, you know, a lot of times we've heard of travelers kind of arguing over $50 or whatever it might be. Like they would come to us and they'd say, Whitney and Jared, I, you know, I know you always said don't take less than 1500 Well, there is this job and it's paying like fourteen seventy-five a week, but should I take it? And even in, in not rough times, we would say, well, is it, is it new grad friendly? Does it sound like it's a good situation for you? Is it a setting that you want? Is it a location that you want? If so, don't worry over a little bit of money a week because losing out on 50 or 75 or $100 a week but still getting 1400 plus in your pocket is a lot different than work making zero for yeah. a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks while you're waiting for a better job to roll around. Yeah, so I've been trying to mentor new travelers for three plus years now, and I cannot tell you how many times I've seen a situation where someone will pass on a job because it doesn't pay as well as they want and then not find work for two or three more weeks. So they're make, they end up making maybe 50 or $100 more a week, but they missed out on $4,500 or more of money from that three weeks of missed work. And it's also more hassle because you're doing more job interviews and things like that. It's just not worth it. You have to think about the opportunity of cost of not working when you pass on these um, jobs. So that's not saying at all to accept lowball offers. We would never advocate for that. Uh, that is definitely not what we're saying here. But if it is a small difference that it's near market rate and um, for the area and it's a good situation and all, that, all those things, don't pass up those jobs. Um, and miss weeks of work in order to get a little bit higher pay. Yeah, and if you are in a situation where you've already been out of work for several weeks or months, um, and you're not seeing a lot of good job offers come through, then you have to just evaluate your situation and see what's the most important thing to you. If you are really getting to a point where you need the money, as long as it's not a terrible job, I would take offers as they come. Um, now, if you are seeing, like, for example, SLP, the job market's still fairly strong. If you've got two, three, four interviews floating around and some pretty good options, no, you don't. You know, just use your common sense. You don't need to take those 
lower paying jobs if you have good other prospects on the table. But the fact is for a lot of PTs and OTs right now, there aren't any good prospects. And a lot of people are having to settle for those lower paying jobs. And again, it's only temporary. Um, you know, we normally would not recommend this, but we've also known and met and talked to tons of travelers and therapists who are just completely out of work and unemployed right now. Yep. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, we want to go through some of these comments. We'll probably wait till the end there. But if you're watching this live, feel free to ask us questions, make comments about anything we're saying. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you're a current traveler, uh, what would you add to this? And please like the video. Um, if you're watching this on replay, feel free to reach out to us as well. Absolutely. Yep. So just kind of as a last little bit of a summary here, um, if you're new to travel therapy, uh, it's really important that you do your research and understand exactly how the pay is broken down so you can just talk the talk and understand what's going on when you get presented with jobs um, when it comes to talking to recruiters and looking at job offers. So the pay is completely different for travel therapists um, as compared with perm therapists. You're going to usually get an hourly rate that's a taxable amount. could be somewhere between $15 to $30 an hour taxed. And then you're also going to get a stipend. Um, which is usually um, a weekly amount, and that's for your meals, housing, and incidentals. And that ta that part is not um, taxed. And then usually your recruiter can lump this amount for you together and then take the taxes out for you and say, this is the amount you're going to make every week after taxes. Your weekly take-home pay is what we call that. Um, and then, Jared, if you want to tell them a little bit more, kind of rehash the reimbursements and how that factors in. Yeah, so the reimbursements come out of that bill rate, uh, they come out of the weekly pay somehow, so either the stipends or the hourly rate. Um, and reimbursements include things like sometimes you have to pay out of pocket for your background check, uh, background checks, drug tests, um, licensing, travel to and from the assignment, those kind of things. So you might have reimbursements for those up front or even at the end of the contract, but that comes out of the same uh, money that comprises your bill rate or uh, comprises your hourly and your stipends. Yeah, it's important to understand um, what a bill rate is and where the money comes from when you're talking about your pay. The bill rate is the amount the facility pays the travel company and the travel co uh, therapy company has to take out their cut and then they pay you um, with what's left over. So bill rates and different areas, settings, um, locations of where the jobs are, all those things vary to factor in how much the bill rate is going to be and therefore how much you can get paid. So there's not any free money just floating around. The facility has to pay you based on, um, I'm sorry, the travel therapy company has to pay you based on the bill rate that the facility is offering. Yep. Um, and then kind of as we said, as a general rule of thumb um, for a weekly take-home pay, in normal times, somewhere between 1500 and 1800 for the majority of the country. Like we said, there are some outliers that will pay 2000 or more, but usually that is in specific settings and in specific states. But the majority of the country and majority settings are going to be somewhere in that fifteen dollars to $1,800 a week after tax range. Mm -hmm. And that's for PTs, OTs, and SLPs. For assistance, a pretty normal rate would be somewhere between 1100 to 1300 a week after taxes. However, um, the uh, the job market for PTAs and CODAs has been really poor for, I would say, nine plus months, even before the pandemic. So it's extremely challenging right now to find um, assistant jobs regardless. So um, again, with a job market that's poor for your discipline, you might be say, seeing pay that's even lower than that for various factors. Yeah. Um, and one, one other thing to add there, since we're talking about pay, is... Uh, Comparing that to a permanent position, uh, I've written a, a, several articles about like how much more a traveler makes than a permanent therapist, and a lot of that depends on cost of living. It depends on 
um, how much your tax home costs you to maintain, those kind of things. But in general, someone making about 70,000 a year, which is a pretty average starting rate for a PT um, in most parts of the country, they would be bringing home somewhere about 950 to $1,000 a week after taxes. So most travel jobs are gonna be paying between one and a half to two times as much as a permanent job uh, on a weekly basis. And that's to compensate th for things like duplicating expenses, for no um, vacation time, for uh, some downtime sometimes if you can't find consistent work, those kind of things. For the hassle of having to move there and just the nuances that go into being a travel therapist. That's why we get paid more is to account for all those other factors. Yep. Um, so it's good to know that even if sometimes you feel like you're getting a little bit of a lower offer for a job, you're still probably getting paid a lot more than you would at a permanent job in most situations. So you can't always only look at the, the dollar amount for the, to be the only factor. In our opinion, um, there's a lot of jobs where we would have interviewed for them and we would have turned them down regardless of the pay. If they were a bad job, if they were a bad fit for us. Um, you know, money is important, but it's not everything. So you definitely have to consider the whole big picture when you're looking at a job. Um, but with that said, we kind of went over some of the normal pay ranges. We would say that what we've been seeing during this whole pandemic is a few hundred dollars a week less on some of the jobs. So we have seen some jobs that maybe you would normally pay in the 1500 range, paying more in the 13 to 1400 range. We have seen some jobs that would normally pay 1800 plus, paying more in the 15 to 1600 range. Um, and it just has to do with the supply and demand. Yeah, so we're seeing more in the range of 13 to 16, kind of right now. Most jobs are falling in that range. And we actually post some of the um, higher paying jobs and then also some like specific jobs that look good to us um, from different companies on our website, Travel Therapy Mentor. There's a hot jobs list there um, where we, we try to keep somewhere between 20 and 40 jobs that um, we like for whatever reason, either high pay or good setting or exclusive contracts with a certain company and those jobs have trended down in the pay amounts probably about $200 a week. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We do anticipate that it is going to improve over time, but I think the biggest take home from all of this is just that the number of jobs is vastly down. Um, we'll probably give you guys a more detailed update next week in regards to the travel therapy market, but I know in past weeks when we've asked the travel therapy companies and recruiters that we know and some of the upper management of the companies that we know, um, you know, they went from seeing 200 plus PT jobs um, at any given time to like 40 or less. Or less, yeah. There were some, um, there were some weeks back in April where there was 10 jobs or less for PTs in the whole country. Yeah, so it's not just the fact that pay is lower, it's just the fact that there's just no jobs. So you have to, in this current environment, um, evaluate what's really important to you. And if you're not finding any good job offers, you may have to settle on certain things that would normally be important to you, like the setting or the location or the pay. So that's kind of a synopsis of everything we want to talk about tonight. Um, we do want to take some comments, take some questions from you guys that are watching live. So we'll read those, um, read through a few of those and give you guys our answers. And like, like Whitney said earlier, we're going to be posting these videos from now on um, on YouTube and hopefully we're going to be starting a podcast to post the audio version. So anyone watching this in the future, if you want to join in live and ask questions or make comments, we record these videos most of the time on Sunday at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. so we're going to continue to do our Facebook on Live Facebook, thing, yeah. um, but we do know that there are certain people out there that aren't on Facebook or that just prefer other platforms, so we are going to kind of dip our toes in that platform just to see 
Um, I know. I was talking about it earlier. I hate watching Facebook live videos. <laughs> so, but I love listening to podcasts because I can speed them up and I can do other things at the same time. So we want to try to make it more available to people like me, I guess. Yeah. And there's, we've been considering it for a long time and we've had plenty of people ask us about it and we just um, kind of haven't ventured into that realm, but we're going to give it a shot and we'll see. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for that, but we will read through a few comments. If you guys have questions Let's about pay, um, if you have questions about anything, just let us know if you're watching live, um, we will be happy to answer your questions. We're going to start at, our, at the bottom and work our way up. Cause I know a lot of people that commented or asked questions earlier might not still be watching. Okay. So Peru says, um, PT pair here. Only one of us is employed right now because it's impossible for us to find one, let alone two jobs nearby each other. Do you foresee this being an issue for several more months? What's your plan for the upcoming um, months as a travel pair? That's a really good question, Peru. That is a good question. Um, there's no definitive answer to that. Um, I would anticipate that it's going to take at least a few months for things to ramp back up, for jobs to trend upwards back to anywhere near where they were at the beginning of the year or at the end of last year. Um, so I would anticipate that you're going to have some trouble as a pair for several more months. Um, but hopefully by maybe August, September, that kind of time frame, um, things will improve. Uh, I think most schools are probably going to go back in September, August, September, which means that the supply of therapists will be decreased as some therapists go back to school jobs. And so that will, that will help everybody out because there'll be more jobs to go around for less therapists. Um, Sammy says, would you recommend for a new grad to take a perm position right now instead of pursuing travel? I would. Um, in this situation right now, if you have a perm job that works well for you, that pays pretty decently, that seems like it would fit you well, I think that is a very good time to take that perm job and put travel on hold for a while. Get some experience. You'll be a more attractive candidate as a traveler. Um, and the thing is, if you would ask that same question six months ago, my answer would have been very different. So that could change a lot in the next few months. But right now, if you have a good permanent job prospect, I would take that. Yeah. The advice that we've been giving to um, some new grads is just consider all options right now. You know, it doesn't hurt to look into travel therapy to see if there are any options that would fit. I mean, maybe you just happen to get lucky at the time that you're trying to apply and the state that you have your first license in is the state where... There are some good job prospects. You're able to get in. They're able to take you as a new grad candidate. But I would say only spend you know a couple weeks looking into travel therapy, a couple weeks maybe submitting to a couple of travel therapy jobs. If it's not working out for you and you do have some good prospects to either do a perm or PRN local job, it would definitely be a good idea at least for maybe the next few months to six months just to get your foot in the door, get your work experience going because we would hate to see you sit around and try to find a travel therapy job and fail at finding a travel therapy job and then next thing you know, three months later, you don't have any work experience. Um, yeah. Just definitely not a good idea right now. Yeah, Melody said, I applied to every job I saw and was told about by recruiters the last month with no luck. The west side of the country seems to be opening, reopening much slower than other regions. It makes me wonder if I will need to venture to central U.S. for work. What do you guys think? Um, it's tricky. I mean, Melody, we've been seeing some, some jobs pop up here and there. I know that we've talked to you personally about some jobs. Um, I haven't kept a close track of individual states that are opening back up. Um, obviously, I think some bigger cities are probably more hesitant. I mean, gosh, like New York. When would you ever see New York open back up anytime soon? NYC. Um, and I'm sure it's the same thing with some of the bigger cities on the West Coast. So I think yeah. time will tell. I think a big factor in that is that the, whether or not to reopen has become a very political decision, it seems, over the last 
month or two. And I think a lot of West Coast states are going to really double down on keeping things locked down, uh, whereas other states might not be that way. Um, so yeah, I would think that you might have a better chance going either to the Midwest or to the East Coast, um, especially further south um, than the West Coast, at least in the coming months. Yeah. Um, Melody says that she also feels because a lot of her experience is an outpatient that a lot of places, for like example, a home health or a sniff job, are not even looking at her application. Um, there's probably more experienced PTs applying. Um, it makes sense, though. I just became a part of the PT compact, which should help. Yeah. Yeah, I think that will help a lot. I, I think you should try to branch out if you can to mid Midwest states. Um, some Midwest states never even closed. So I think a lot of those states, it's almost like business as usual. And that may be justified. If it's a very rural area, it might not be as big of a threat as somewhere like L.A. And regarding experience, yeah, that's always going to be a factor. I mean, like we've been hearing from recruiters that there are plenty of experienced travel therapists that have great resumes, great applications that aren't even getting an opportunity to get their resume looked at or to get the, the phone interview. So there's just so much competition right now that anything like being a new grad, not being licensed in the state, not having experience in the setting or trying to negotiate too hard on pay, all of those factors are likely to get your application just kicked to the side and for them to take someone who's an easier fit because they have so many applicants. Um, so it's a very tricky time and I know a lot of you um, are struggling. Yeah. Lauren says, uh, yay for podcasts. I'm early to bed and early to rise. Yeah. People on the East coast, these videos are kind of late, especially if you go to bed early. Yeah. So it would be nicer to have a way for people to, to go back and, and download them and listen later. All right. Um, uh, someone asked, would you recommend travel therapy for schools during this time? So like a school travel therapy position? I, as far as I know, almost every school system is closed right now. Um, some are doing telehealth, but I would not try to go to, I mean, schools, one. Some of them are hiring for the fall. Yeah, yeah. I think for the fall, it might be okay. I mean, that's still several months away. I don't envision, obviously, I don't know anything, but I don't envision a lot of these schools staying closed all of next year. I think most schools will open up at a normal time, um, but it's kind of too soon to see, to know. But I, I would still consider a late August or September time frame as being fairly safe. Yeah, it's tricky to know, but at least if you are applying for a job for the fall, if it does fall through, then you have time to, you know, figure it out just as much time as any other job if you were to get canceled for it, if not more. So if you are a school therapist or you have school experience, it might be a safe bet. Um, I would imagine that hopefully we'll go back to some kind of normalcy in the fall, but we'll just see. Yep. So Kaylee said, uh, in this market, I'm doing that with some new grads who are open to anywhere. So this is in, in reference to us talking about some recruiters submitting new grads at a lower rate to mm -hmm. try to get them the and job. And Kaylee is a recruiter. She said, uh, I have undercut the posted rate on the order just to land them the job. Uh, these are still in the 13 to 1400 after taxes range and uh, it's temporary. So it's one contract, gains a new grad the experience. They need more marketable and gets them a paycheck in the down market. Uh, of course, it's not ideal, it's just what we have, has to be done for the short term. I try to put in uh, put in perspective that in relation to a perm job, it's really great money. Yeah, I think that is a, a very good, very good thing to think about right now. I mean, a lot of new grads that want to travel, that's kind of your only choice because there's gonna be a lot of permanent therapists that are competing with you. So if you will take a lower rate, then you might be more likely to get the job and get some experience. 
Um, Armand, who I believe is a PTA, says, I tried to stay in contact with the last facility where I worked because we had a good relationship and they kept requesting me to extend my contract. After four months back home with no work, I got an offer to take a new contract there. So I'm headed back to central New York, uh, New York State, in a couple of weeks. So I'm grateful to have a chance to travel back there and start working again. I've been off for so long. I'm a little concerned that my skills have atrophied a little. Uh, that's awesome. Congratulations, Armand. I'm glad that worked out for you. I know you've been looking for a while. Uh, talking about your skills atrophying, I've only worked... I haven't worked in almost a year, so yes, I am also on that. I'm pretty sure Jerry's not even a PT anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I took a job right now, I, I would be a little nervous. So that's really good, Armand, and that's advice that we've been giving to a lot of people in this job market is if you have the opportunity to extend um, for new grads, if you have the opportunity to get in really easily as a PRN staff or a PERM staff, at least for a short time at a job where you've just finished a clinical, if you're a therapist who can try to connect back with an old connection, um, it's better than nothing right now. Of course, as travel therapists, we would all like to go have a new experience, do something fun, do something different, but sometimes you just need to get that paycheck. So yep. definitely a good option. Kaylee also says, it won't be this way forever. When it comes back, it will come back booming. Uh, we just have to be open and flexible as possible right now because there's little room for negotiation. We're, uh, we're seeing some jobs coming out with 10 to 11 submissions within minutes and they close so, so quickly. Yeah, that's it. That's our opinion as well. I mean, this is definitely not the time to be really picky if you want to have consistent work by, yeah. by any means. And that's some good insight from a longtime recruiter. Uh, Jeffrey says, great info, guys. I'm a third-year DPT student here, and I'm just looking into different options after graduating. Um, thank you, Jeffrey. I'm glad that it's been good information. A couple weeks ago, we did a, job, um, a video specifically tailored towards new grads. Um, that might be a really good one for you to check back. I think it was about three or four weeks ago, giving some specific advice to new grads during this difficult time. Yeah. And like Kaylee said there, uh, it's rough times right now. It won't be that way forever. So if you're interested in traveling, it will come back. It might be a good time to get some experience first, but um, the market will improve. All right. So we're going to check and see if we have any more comments. If you're watching live, if you want to leave us a comment or ask us a question, we will answer it live. And any of you guys watching, if you have questions, reach out to us. If you want some, uh, some our opinion about recruiters, feel free to go to our website. There's a link there at the top. Uh, about recruiter recommendations. We'll ask some questions about you specifically to try to match you with some recruiters that might work well for you. Yeah, but it's ever more important to have a good relationship with a couple of different recruiters. When it's a really tough market out there, you need to have someone in your corner that you can trust that can help you to navigate these tough waters in the job market. All right, Nikki says, great advice. I'm still home in Alabama. I'm really ready to travel again. I was offered a full-time permanent SLP position at a SNF. Two days later, they called and said that I could only be hired on PRN. Mm. That is unfortunate, Nikki. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I mean, and that's not just with perm jobs. That's happening with all jobs right now. I mean, we know of at least a dozen uh, travel therapists that reached out to us for help that had a job secured that then the job was canceled before they started. And that was just in the last month or two. Yeah, and I thought SLPs were pretty sheltered from it because, you know, we have been seeing a, a huge number of SLP jobs when it's compared with PT and OT. But at, you're the second SLP that I've talked to in the past week or so that had a job offer kind of retracted or canceled. Um, so even the SLPs are subject to the poor job market in some regards. But the good news for SLPs are if, even if one job gets canceled, there are more jobs out there to choose from. 
Um, let's see. Kaylee said, Kaylee, who's a recruiter, says, we are seeing many trends. Seeing. We are not seeing um, many trends other than Massachusetts for PT jobs in the terms of any consistency, and it's still very hard to predict the market. Yep. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, Armand, thanks, guys. So I think that is all the comments and questions that we have live. Um, if you're watching later on the replay, if you'd like to leave us a comment or question, we'll go back and answer it later. Or if you'd like to send us a message on our website, TravelTherapyMentor.com, or hit us up on social media, we are always here to answer your questions. Yep. And if you're watching this later, we record these videos usually on Sunday at 9, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time about different travel therapy-related topics. Um, and we'll be posting these hopefully on YouTube and possibly on a podcast. Uh, so stay tuned for that. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for joining in with us. Hang in there um, and have a great night. Yep. Take care.